welcome to this Monday edition of Back to the Bible. Bible teacher Woodrow Kroll will be joining us all this week, and he will be reviewing the 10 most loved Christmas carols, as determined by you, our Back to the Bible family. Yes, you've told us your favorites. We have looked at those favorites. I ranked them 10 down to 1. We're going to look at number 10, number 9 today. These are the carols you love the most. Well, Dr. Kroll, there are lots of Christmas carols, but I think the first two that we'll be looking at today also rank in my top 10 for sure. Hark the Herald Angels Sing and O Little Town of Bethlehem. Yeah, beautiful lyrics Mm -hmm. in these carols, and and often we sing them because we're familiar with them, or we hear them, but we don't think about the words. What we want to do today is look at the words of these carols, learn a little bit about the history of the carol, and find out why these carols are so special at this time of year. At number 10, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. This is a great carol, probably uh, best known because it's written by Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley, of course, the brother of John Wesley. Charles Wesley wrote 6,500 hymns, which is just about 6,500 more than I've written. Charles Wesley lived in Bristol, England, which is on the western side of England. In fact, you can go to Wesley's home today, and you will find there a table. And on that table is an inkwell, there's a pen there, and there's a partially completed manuscript for him that he was working on when he died. It's a really interesting place. A noted hymnologist once said that this hymn is one of the four most popular hymns in the entire English language. So, you've chosen well. Choosing number 10, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's think a little bit about this. Charles Wesley wrote for both the head and the heart. He was a man who was really gifted at choosing phrases. And and the phrase that I want to focus on is in the last stanza of the hymn. Now, I go right there, except there are too many good things in the first stanzas, too many roadblocks for our getting to the last stanza. So think with me about stanza one of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark! The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Now there's theology in a Christmas carol. God and sinners reconciled. You know, Wesley put these words in the mouths of angels. And the angels are saying to us, listen, everyone, God has reconciled sinful mankind to himself through the birth of this person, Jesus. Jesus didn't come to earth to put Bethlehem on the map. He didn't come to earth to be a baby. He didn't come to earth to give you a warm fuzzy at Christmas time. Jesus came to earth to reconcile opposing parties, God and you. The second stanza goes on and it says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And what he's saying in this stanza is that the incarnation, Jesus taking upon himself flesh, was part of the plan of God to bring us to a point of reconciliation with God. God didn't have to love you and me, but he did anyway. And this expression about him coming to Bethlehem and becoming a man, Jesus did not become God when Jesus became a man. 
Let me read something to you. This is from the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 1. Now, let me just begin at the first verse. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before, through the prophecies of the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, now listen, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power. And notice the change in verb there. Born of the seed of David. He was made of the seed of David. He took flesh upon himself. But he was declared to be the Son of God with power. See, you don't have to make Jesus something he already is. You simply declare who he is. So while there was a time Jesus was not a human being, there was never a time when Jesus was not God. Charles Wesley picks up on this beautifully, and he tells us that Jesus is, in fact, the incarnate deity. And there are lots of people in the world today who do not believe that, but they sing this carol anyway. And that's why this week we want to pay very close attention to what we are singing when we sing these great carols. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Now let's see what the Bible has to say about the incarnate deity. If you'd like, open your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Now, it is true, is it not, that there were likely other babies born that night in Bethlehem. I mean, Jesus is not the only baby born that night. The chances of others being born are pretty good. And if not that night, what about the night before or the night after? Or a year before, or a year after, or a decade before or after. Uh, the point is this. There is only one person who is the incarnation of God. The enfleshment, that's what the word incarnation means. Taking upon himself flesh. There is only one person who can meet the criteria of being God and being man at the same time. So Jesus did not become God when he became a baby in the Bethlehem manger. He always was God. What he did was, he added to himself the quality of being human so he could understand, he could identify with, he could be our Savior. Jesus is not 50% God and 50% man, because that only makes him half a God. And he's not 100% God and 100% man, because that makes him 200%. Jesus is the one-of-a-kind, unique Son of God. Now, when Charles Wesley wrote this hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he wants the angels to be singing the song of the unique event which brings about the unique person, and that's the birth of Jesus as a baby in the manger. Hark, or listen, or listen up, we would say today, the herald angels sing. A herald is a person who stands up speaks up and has something to say. So if you were coming to town and wanted to announce news uh, before we had all the modern technology we have today, you would stand in the center of the town, probably get up on a stage or a soapbox, if the case was that, and, and you would then speak out loudly. You would announce news to the rest of the town. So what the angels are doing is, in the words of the angels, they are announcing to the world that there has been a baby born. And not just an ordinary baby, but a very unique baby, a baby who is also God. So his point here, I think, is this. The angels are announcing something very significant to the world. Hark! 
the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Now, look at the expressions in this hymn. And you're going to see this in all the Christmas carols. He calls him the newborn king. In stanza three, he says, hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Well, that only applies to Jesus. Hail the son of righteousness. That only applies to Jesus. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays by glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Isn't it interesting? That he talks about Jesus being raised here, risen with healing in his wings. He talks about being raised and raising the sons of earth so that we may not die. This is a Christmas hymn. And yet it runs the full gamut of Christian theology. From Jesus being God to Jesus being a man. Jesus being born a babe to Jesus raised as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Jesus as the Son of Righteousness. Well, we do hope that each of you will be joining us all this week as we count down the top ten Christmas carols here on Back to the Bible. But, Dr. Kroll, you know, I've sung Hark the Herald Angels sing hundreds of times. But I think, like most of us, I've really never stopped to pay attention to the words. So, so as we reviewed the lyrics today, it just kind of hit me what a glorious way to present the gospel to someone. To just stop and say, hey, these words are so meaningful, and then see where the conversation takes you. Yeah, now let's be honest. Not all Christmas carols, not all songs about Christmas have the same degree of theology that this one has. I mean, this is a really good one. There are others that are uh, a little more warm and fuzzy and less theological. But when you see anything Charles Wesley writes or anything Isaac Watts writes, you know you're going to get the gospel in all of them. And I think one of the great joys of singing these songs at Christmas is everybody sings them. You hear them on the radio, not just Christian radio, on all stations. If we would just take the time to say, what does he mean by that? Think about the lyrics. We would be people who understand what Christmas is really all about much more than we do today. Every year at Christmas we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But do we think about what Charles Wesley wanted us to think about? Today I want to challenge you, when you sing this carol, to think about Jesus being raised from the dead so that you can live forever. Well, I'll be back in just a minute to look at number nine. Back to the Bible Jamaica invites you to join us in our lunchtime faith partner prayer and fellowship meeting scheduled for this Wednesday, December 13 at Bethany Fellowship, 9A Hagner Park Road, Kingston 10. That's right beside our office here at Hagley Park Plaza. We're looking forward to seeing some of our longtime partners as well as some of you who have come on board in more recent times. In addition, it's an opportune time for regular donors to stop by for your complimentary 2024 calendar and to purchase extra copies for family and friends. We will commence our main presentation at 12 noon sharp 
and conclude by 1 p.m., after which we'll have a short time of fellowship with some light refreshments. So, in whatever way you support this ministry, if you are desirous of becoming a partner or just a regular listener, you are invited to our upcoming lunchtime faith, partner, prayer, and fellowship meeting scheduled for this Wednesday, December 13, at Bethany Fellowship, 9A Hager Park Road, Kingston 10. And please, if you can, come with a special offering towards the ministry to help us meet our year-end financial obligations. We ask that you confirm your attendance either by emailing us at backtothebibleministry at gmail.com by giving us a call at 876-926-5765 or by sending a WhatsApp message to 876-337-6295. Now, as we get back to the Bible, we're going to spend a little time in Bethlehem. Well, not really, but you might just feel as if you're there, as Dr. Kroll brings one of your favorite carols to life. Stay tuned for the story behind O Little Town of Bethlehem. Well, we come now to the ninth in our list of the ten top Christmas carols, counting down from ten to one. Uh, we're going to go all the way to the end, to number one on Friday of this week. But number nine, I think, is my favorite, or at least one of my favorites, and that is O Little Town of Bethlehem. Now, I've had the great joy of going to the little town of Bethlehem. It's just one of the joys of my life, but more importantly than that, it's a great teaching tool. Every now and then I'll get a critical letter saying, why do you spend the money to go to Israel? Well, if you've ever gone to Israel with me, you understand the answer to that completely. You will learn more in one week in the country than you will learn in a year in solid Bible study. And that's not to say you shouldn't be involved in solid Bible study, but in Israel you get perspective. And that's something you can't get from reading books. You know, Jesus leaves the upper room and goes to the garden to pray. Where did he go? How long would it take him to get there? What route would he take along the way? You can read a hundred books and never learn that. But once you walk that route, you will never read your Bible and not think of that. So it's a joy to do this. And Phillips Brooks was a, a preacher. He was one of the giants of the American pulpit. I mean that in two ways. Not only was he a great preacher, but he was also six foot six. So this man clearly was a giant. He was born in Boston, Massachusetts in 1835. He graduated from Harvard, and he also graduated from the Episcopal Theological Seminary in Virginia. Phillips Brooks is often called the Prince of the Pulpit. Uh, not to be confused with Spurgeon, who was the prince of preachers, but Phillips Brooks pastored 10 years in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then he moved to Boston, where from 1869 to 1891, he pastored the famous Trinity Church in Boston. Now, Phillips Brooks was a bachelor, never married, uh, but he loved children. In fact, I've heard that Phillips Brooks used to keep toys and dolls and games and things in his study so that when children came to visit, they had something. To, they always wanted to go see the pastor because he was so much fun. Well, when Phillips Brooks died and a little girl heard that Phillips Brooks had died, she said to her mother, Oh, Mama, just imagine how happy the angels are now. 
Well, here's a man who was really loved by uh, young people especially. At age 30, Phillips Brooks made his trip to the Holy Land. He uh, found himself journeying abroad, and in 1865, he took a horse and rode from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. He wanted to be a part of the Christmas Eve celebration in the Church of the Nativity. Perhaps you've seen that on television. It's televised around the world almost every year. Well, when Phillips Brooks came back, he was so taken back by the tininess of Bethlehem and by the simplicity of Bethlehem and how that Bethlehem was just kind of a suburb of Jerusalem and really a no-name town. When he came back, he was looking for a hymn to sing that Christmas, and he couldn't find one that he thought was appropriate, especially appropriate for the children in the church. So he sat down, fresh from his journey to Bethlehem, and he wrote the words to O Little Town of Bethlehem. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now, I want to come back to that expression in just a minute, but stanza one kind of sets the scene for what uh, is going on in Bethlehem. This is the place where the Savior is going to be born. But stanza two is a, it's kind of like a poetic narrative. It's, it's telling us about the Christmas event. Here's stanza two. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above, while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. So what he's doing there is he's, he's just helping us to understand that this is the way the Christmas story unveils, and this is the import of the Christmas story. God the King brings peace to earth. Stanza three, one of my favorites. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. I love that expression, how silently, how silently. God did not bring himself to earth riding a white horse. He did not announce his coming with trumpets. Uh, this is very reflective on, on the way God comes to us. You know, God doesn't come to us generally in flashes of lightning and voices out of heaven. Um, God's done that, but that's not normative. What God does is he comes to us silently. There's, there's a verse of scripture that comes to our mind, or we find ourselves reading a passage of God's word, or a neighbor just tells us about the love of God, and, and silently and almost imperceptibly, God brings his son to us. Well, that stands a three. Here stands the number four. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the glad great tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Now again, this is one of those Christmas carols that is filled with good theology. He talks about 
descending on us, we pray, and, and hearing the Christmas angels sing the glad tidings that Emmanuel has come, Jesus has come. He has provided for us all that we need for life and godliness. O little town of Bethlehem. Well, in Bethlehem, the night that Jesus was born, business was pretty much as usual, you know? People were hustling and bustling through the streets, and then the sun fell, and they settled down in their homes. Those who were in town because of the taxation, the registration for taxation, they all found a place to stay, either with relatives or one of the local inns. But when Mary and Joseph came to the town, there was no room for them in the inn. So they found a place in a stable. And in that stable, in that little town of Bethlehem, God came to earth. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now, I don't know what your fears are. We all have our own kinds of fears. You may be uh, fearing death. You may be fearing uh, a report from your doctor. You may be fearing some financial reversals in your life. You, you may be in school and you're feeling, fearing the other kids in school. And I was reading recently from the uh, Department of Education here in the United States that one of the great problems being faced in education today is bullying, uh, you know, kids bullying other kids. In fact, 79% of all bullying takes place inside the school. 28% takes place on the school grounds. You may be fearing today going to school or you may be fearing your children going to school. I mean, our fears are real and they're constant. And they're right here. They're almost like we could touch them. But the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, tells us how to conquer those fears. Because of the fears of all the years and the hopes of all the years are met in a single person. Give your fear to the Lord Jesus. Cast your care on Him because He cares for you. And let Him give you the hope that brings eternal life and makes life endurable even now. Dr. Kroll, hark the herald angels sing and O Little Town of Bethlehem. Both of these carols speak hope to anyone who really takes the time to listen. Yeah, if you notice, most of the Christmas carols talk about the darkness the darkness of the world, the darkness of sin, the darkness of night. And then, somewhere in the carol, they change to the brightness of the hope that comes because of the baby Jesus. The hopes and fears of all the years have met in the tonight. And I think the Christmas carols are a great way for us, if we're feeling a little down at Christmas time, a great way for us to be picked up to remember. It's because of this season, what happened this season, the birth of Jesus, that you and I can have hope today. Thanks for joining us today here on Back to the Bible, brought to you by Back to the Bible Broadcast Jamaica, in a partnership with listeners who give in support of this ministry. Our office is located at shop number 22, Hagley Park Plaza, Kingston 10. 
Our office hours are from Mondays through to Fridays from 8.30 a.m. through to 4 p.m. We can be contacted via email at backtothebibleministry at gmail.com. Our office number is 876-926-5765 and our cell and WhatsApp number is 876-337-6295. To listen to this study again or some of our previous studies, they are available in our free mobile app along with other Bible engagement material. Just look for BTTB Jamaica in your app store. That's BTTB Jamaica. You can also listen and download our studies from other podcast platforms, including Podbean, Google, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Be sure to look for Back to the Bible Jamaica. Before we go, a reminder that we have in stock our 2024 scripture calendars available for your contribution of $700 each, as well as our daily bread devotionals available for $500 each. Well, Dr. Kroll, we're seeing that Christmas carols are more than just songs. They're wonderful biblical reminders of the hope that we have in Christ. Yes, that's so true. You know, it's not a bad idea to read the Christmas carols or even sing them more than just in December. Uh, Well, yes, and just in case you haven't started to sing any of them for this year, well, why not start today and let the words and the music bless you as you go throughout your day. And then you might want to join us again tomorrow for more of your favorite carols. Yes, tomorrow we're going to take a look at two more Christmas carols, your favorites, What Child Is This?, and Away in the Manger, two significant Christmas hymns. So plan now to join us tomorrow, won't you? And thanks for dropping by today. God bless you. I'm Woodrow Kroll. Have a good and godly day.